Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to week six. My name is Scott, a teaching series we've been in for a while here. Well, just a reminder of why we've launched this series. It's our desire to look at some of the ancient names of God that you see in Scripture. Uh, we use the word God to capture God, which is great, uh, but there's deeper, richer, more fuller um, meanings to God and the way he's revealed himself in some of these names in the Bible. And so it's been neat. Even this morning on the way out, people are like, oh, this series has been so good. I've just seen dimensions of God and depths of understanding God that I've not known, and this has been helpful. So uh, our hope is that as we go through these names of God, that, that you'll grow in a deeper connection with God, a greater understanding of God, because all these names are tied to his character. They're tied to characteristics, to, to part of his nature. And so uh, it's just critical. Also a reminder that our desire is that we use this teaching series as a way to just engage our region. And uh, we gave you guys all these My Name is God cards just to you know, strategically leave throughout the community when you're out and about. Hopefully all of you have a stack of these in your car, or your, your purse or your wallet or whatever. And just as you're out in restaurants or out and about, you're just leaving them on, on occasion. Uh, so that people were to see those and out of curiosity go to the website listed and either hear about this teaching series and learn more about this God who loves them. Uh, there's also a link on there that takes them to what we call the story. The story is just the gospel. It's about how God created everything and about the fall and the rescue of mankind through the death and resurrection of Jesus and, and also the future restoration when Christ returns. It's a, it's a link uh, to the gospel. And so to date, we have about 1,600 hits on the My Name is God website, and we have about 600 hits on the, uh, my name, uh, the, the gospel link, the story. So people are checking it out. So thank you for doing that. Keep getting them out there. Uh, this series, this whole effort is designed to live beyond the teaching series, because our hope is that when we're done teaching about this and teaching on something else, that website will still be up. People still can link and log on and check it out and all those kinds of things. So just a reminder about why we're doing this and our hope in doing it. So with that being said, I want to talk about one uh, really critical, probably one of the more well-known names of God this morning, Jehovah Jireh. And just this morning as I was thinking about this, I'm going, look, I don't know about you and how your morning went, but it's probably similar to mine. I, I woke up in a comfortable bed. I reached over and flipped a few switches and lights came on. And I turned a few knobs and fresh, clean water came out. And I opened up a couple drawers, a couple, you know, my, my closet, and I, I was able to grab clean clothes and put them on. And then I hugged and kissed my wife and kids, and, and I went down and I opened up a refrigerator and a pantry and got some food and had breakfast. And then I opened the door to this home that I have that God's provided. And I got into this, you know, insured, functional, fueled-up vehicle, and I, and I drove here. And these are just things God has supplied in my life. And I think about some of the deeper things, like he's provided hope when I've been in difficult times. He's, he's provided um, amazing relationships and support systems and community through my life. He's, he's, he's provided three beautiful children through the gift of adoption because that's the way he wanted to grow our family. I mean, I just, I look at my life and I go, Lord, I never want to lose sight that you are the one that's provided all this in my life. When's the last time that you woke up and you're just in an assessment and went, Lord, thank you for everything in my life? Because the chances are you and I regularly take for granted everything that we have. Every breath we breathe, every stitch of clothing we wear, every, every dime or dollar that comes our way, we either fall into the deception of thinking that came from us somehow. <laughs> and we forget that we have a provider. We have a Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh literally means the Lord who provides. 
And my heart is like, Lord, I always want to be more about you than what you give me. And I hope you can rally around that today, saying, God, I want to be more about you than just the things you allow me to have, because you are Jehovah Jireh. You're the provider. You know, it's interesting. The word provide comes from the word provision. When you you study that word, it's a very interesting word. It actually means to foresee, to see in advance, provision. And so when you think about God as provider, this is like, this is a mind blower a little bit. You have the one who sees all things in advance and provides for them in advance. Like, think about how comforting that is. God knows what you need before you even have a clue you need it. God has known what we've needed long before we ever existed. So because of his provision, because of his foresight, because God sees in advance, he's provided everything for us before we even realized we had the need. That's a God worth worshiping. That's a God worth being grateful to. That's a God worth loving. And I hope that today as we think about this God, this Jehovah Jireh, we'll continue to rally around our hearts that we want to always be more about him than the things he provides for us. Now this concept of God as provider is seen cover to cover in the Bible. From the beginning of creation to when he changes everything and he eliminates the earth as we know it and remakes it into this amazing thing that we see in the book of Revelation. From cover to cover, the concept of God as provider is there. But there's only one verse that actually says Jehovah Jireh. There's only one verse, and it's, and it's embedded in one of the most difficult, plaguing, disturbing passages in the entire Bible. You guys ready to go there? Open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 22, please. Genesis chapter 22. Now, this morning, these verses will not be on the screen. I am trusting you to open your Bibles, <laughs> to be a self-feeder, to be a student of God's Word. So open up your Bibles, or if you have a, a, a Bible application on your device, open that up. And join me in Genesis 22. By the way, if you're here today and you don't own a Bible, you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one for free. So on your way out, stop by the info center, and get a free Bible just for you. Exodus chapter 22. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 200. Just joking. People are like, oh, man. 1 through 14, we're about to intersect into this profound moment with a man named Abraham. Some of you are familiar with this passage. Some of you are about to have your mind blown. (laughs) Exodus 22, 1 through 14, here's what we see. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, with whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and after offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire, and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. 
So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid them on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of a son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will what? Provide. That is Jehovah Jireh right there. As it said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Genesis 22, 1-14, very profound, very powerful. One of the most chilling, disturbing, mind-blowing parts of the Bible. And we look at Abraham and going, here's what we see about Abraham. He trusted God as his provider. He was being guided by his trust in God to provide. It was in the Lord who would provide. He wasn't trusting the provision. He was trusting the provider. And that's what led Abraham to that place and to that moment. He was focused on the provider. I think that's what we need to be doing in our life too. We need to have our lives focused on the provider, not the provision. We get fixated on the provision. God, here's what I need. Here's what I don't have. Here's what I should have and on and on and on and on. And we don't always get focused on the provider. And I think when we look at this moment with Abraham, we learn some things that, that, that we, we can um, experience When we focus on God as the provider, when we encounter God as Jehovah Jireh, here's three things I think will take place for us. First, I think we will learn how to obey him even when it doesn't make sense. Like you look at this whole situation, you you look at those first few verses and how God is calling him to come forward. He's talking about coming up to the mountain and to to sacrifice his son. I mean, look at verse 2. He says, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. God was asking Abraham to give up what he loved most. God was challenging Abraham to sacrifice that which was most dear to him. That made no sense. And when you look at the backstory, you see there's even more reasons why this would be such a challenge for Abraham. Because here you have Abraham, a man who's in his older age. He has no children. His wife and him, Sarah, they have no children And God has promised to make him the father of a nation, to be the father of many. He's saying, from your offspring. When you look at Genesis 22, 17, God told him, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore. God promised Abraham and Isaac through through his offspring, he was going to multiply him. And of course, Abraham's looking at the clock and Sarah's looking at the clock and go, you don't have much time left, Lord. (laughs) They're going to do something with this. And so God gave them Isaac. He was the fulfillment of the promise. Now God's asking for him back. What do you do when God puts you in what seems to be a contradiction? Here's the fulfillment of the promise. Oh, by the way, now I'm going to take him away. What? But would Abraham obey him despite not making sense of this? And then what do you do when God asks you to do something that seems like a violation of his very character? We have here God asking a man to slaughter his son as a human sacrifice. And and as a a cynic and as a critic, you look at that and go, what? 
Why would God do that? And this this continues just to show that God knows in advance what needs to happen, and and, and he's God. He's the author and creator of life. He, He has the authority to take back anything he wants. And there's a degree of this where we just have to yield to him as God, going, God, I don't know what you were thinking. You'll probably give me a better understanding in eternity, but for now, let's, let's just twist my mind up. But I'm going to trust you anyways. Did, you know, God knew the outcome. Would, would God have let Abraham follow through? Would God have resurrected Isaac from the dead right there? Was, was, did he allow that moment just to prove to Abraham and to Isaac the power of faith and obedience? Like, what? We don't know all that was there. We just know enough. But we saw that Abraham was modeling obedience even when it didn't make sense. Why did he do that? Because he's more about the provider than he was about the provision. The thing that was most dear to him, that he clutched most close to him, God asked for it back. Let me ask you something. What are you clutching What are you holding that you were unwilling to let go of? That if God were to come into your life and say, I'm going to ask of you the most precious thing just to see if you will obey me, what do you think he'd put his finger on in your life? Would it be your family? Would it be your job, your career, your plans, that relationship, your passions and pursuits? See, on the other side of obedience, God blessed Abraham and and did and just massively used him. And God experienced, or Abraham experienced God in ways he would have never experienced him outside of that obedience. Some of you are sitting here and you've hit a ceiling in your spiritual life and you're not encountering God in deeper ways, more powerful ways. You're not experiencing him as Jehovah Jireh in, in, in more profound ways because you're clutching something that you are unwilling to let go. And maybe God is encountered this uh, moment with you many times where he said, I want you to let that go so that you can experience me in deeper ways. What do you do in that moment? Well, A, you make sure it's the voice of God and nobody else, and then you obey. Because if you really understand God as Jehovah Jireh, that he's the provider and it's all about being focused on the provider and living for the provider and loving the provider, you'll obey even when it doesn't make sense. The other thing that happens to us is that we exercise faith even when we don't see the outcome. Abraham's experience of Jehovah Jireh here was on the other side of the test, on the other side of stepping out and having to exercise faith, right? You look at verse five, it says, Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come to you again. This isn't a statement of faith by Abraham. He's being tested by God and he's showing faith. This is a statement of faith where he says, Isaac and I are gonna go worship and we are coming back. He knew what God asked of him. This is him saying God's going to provide. He's the provider. So Isaac and I are going to go up this mountain, and Isaac and I are coming back. It was a statement of faith. And even while he's climbing up the mountain with Isaac, I mean, look at Isaac, man. He's, he's a pretty smart dude. <laughs> Isaac's got to be, you know, he's, he's a young man, possibly even up to a teenager at this point. Verses 7 and 8, you look at he's, he's, he's doing the math. Isaac's going, hey, Dad, um, we got the wood. <laughs> Nice torch you got there. Nice knife you got there. Just a quick question, Dad. Where's, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. He didn't say, well, it'll just come from somewhere. He wasn't focused on the provision. He was focused on the provider. The Lord will provide the sacrifice. And you know, Abraham had to be going up the hill going, Lord, please provide. 
The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Lord, please provide. And he was trusting him even when he couldn't see the outcome. You know, in Hebrews, the, the hall of fame, if you will, the hall of faith that you see in Hebrews 11, verses 17 and 19, speaks to this moment of Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was an act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He got rescued from death. You have Abraham here being referred to. He, he had gone up there going, okay, Lord, even if you allow me to follow through, you could raise him. You could bring him back to life. Abraham was full of faith that God has asked this of me, and I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to trust, even though I can't even see what's on the other side. And we look at the names of God that we've learned so far. You, you, you've, got, you've got Abraham going, Elohim, my God, who's the most high God, who's El Elyon. The self-existing one, Yahweh, Jehovah. The one who is my master, my Adonai. He's asked of me, my son. He's Jehovah Rapha. He could heal him if he wants to. But right now, Abraham was looking at him saying, you're my Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. You will provide. You know, I'm pretty confident that God has never put you in that kind of a situation. But what situation has he put you in? What situation are you in now? What situation maybe will be coming down your life where God is going to ask you to act in faith and you can't see the other side? That's that's what God does. Because here's the thing. If we can see it, if we can manipulate it, if we can control it, it's not faith. We like to come to the edge of the, you know, this precipice that God says, I want you to jump. And we go, well, let me go down there and like build something to land on. Then I'll feel comfortable about it, you know? That's how we roll. We, we want to make sure that we know what's on the other side. Then, then we can like put the Jesus stamp on it. Well, God called me to do that. But if we know what's on the other side, it's not faith. And if you really understand that God is your Jehovah Jireh, he's your provider. And if you're focused on the provider more than the provision, when he brings you to a place and says, I want you to jump. Like right now, some of you are sitting here and like, you've got a decision to make. You've got a choice to make in your life, whether it's a relationship, a job, a move, something. And God's told you what to do. But you've been negotiating. You've been debating. You've been holding out just so that you could do something to see that what's on the other end is just right, and then you can put the God stamp on it and say, well, God did that. Well, you read through the Bible, God doesn't really operate that way much. It's more like, no, I told you to do this. You'll just see on the other side. Have you ever noticed that when God's told you to do something, that on the other side you look back and go, ah, that's what God was up to. That's what God was up to. The sacrifice. I mean, I I think about our journey out here to Cleveland three years ago. I mean, we're California natives, born and raised, family, friends, everything there. Like, God God said, I want you to sacrifice that. You're comfortable. Things are good here. I'm going to take you somewhere you don't know anybody. I want you to leave behind everybody you know. The comfort of your community Come for everything, and I want you to do this. And it's like, what? You want me to do what? You want me to go where? It gets cold there. <laughs> but you know what? These last three years here, looking now what God had, how God's grown me, this amazing community that he's put me in, I'm like, I would have never experienced the blessing 
of what's happened in the last three years here if I wouldn't have sacrificed and left and just trusted God and see what's on the other end. That's what happens when you trust God as your Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Is you're going to just follow him even if you can't see what's on the other side. You know, the other thing that happens to us when we start to see God as Jehovah Jireh is we start to experience provisions only God could supply. We start to experience provisions only God could supply. Look at, as Abraham focused on the provider, he experienced God's miraculous and faithful provision. Look at that verse again, the moment that must have just brought tremendous relief to Abraham. In verse 13 and 14 of Genesis 22, it says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of a son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The relief that Abraham must have felt. Friends, God is faithful to provide what you need. Whatever you need, even though you might not know you need it, God's faithful to provide. I love what uh, Philippians 4.19 reminds us of. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is not only faithful to provide what we need, he loves us and is gracious enough. Sometimes he provides what we want. The problem is we can't discern the difference. Because we say need when we really mean want a lot of times. And our idea of need is not always the same as God's idea of need. Like this is the kind of image I get sometimes. I think a lot of times God is saying, I'm going to provide for your needs. Here's what you need. You need food and water. You need shelter. You need clothing. You need a relationship with me. Uh, You need relationships with others. There's your basic needs done. I have provided everything you need. And we go, "Um, okay, well, Lord, here's the problem. This is what I need. And we go, but, but this is what I need. And some of us are living here and we're going, God, like, like I have so much that I need still. Like my mortgage, I'm, I'm, I can't make my mortgage and I can't make my car payment and I'm not able to buy those clothes. And, uh, you know, my, and we start to look at all the things that we need. I took one of my kids to buy shoes the other day. Some of you have done this a hundred times over. We needed a pair of shoes. I went, I found a good pair of shoes for a good price. I look down the aisle, and there's my kid holding another shoe. And my price tag has two digits. And his price tag has three. And I'm going, you don't need that shoe. Oh, Dad, I need the shoe. And then he gave me three reasons why he needed the shoe. No, you don't need that shoe. You need a shoe. Here's the shoe. You want that shoe. And maybe there's times when you go, okay. There's other times you go, it's not happening. Like this shoe or go barefoot, boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, that's what we do to God all the time. God goes, here's what you need. And then we look at what he needs and we put it into what we think we need and we go, it doesn't look like much. Well, maybe because you shouldn't have bought that house and you overspent and that's why your mortgage is so big. And now you're telling God you need it when that's really not what you needed. He had your need covered, but you went beyond the need. Maybe you had no business getting that car. And now it's like, well, God, I need to make that payment. He's like, God, I had you covered, but you had to go and get that. 
We, we do that all the time. God, this is, he's, I've got your needs covered. And we go, but we don't know the difference. God's faithful to provide our needs. Our needs are covered. You know, the other problem that we uh, make a lot of times when we think about discerning needs and wants is sometimes we, we limit God's provision to only finances. It's only financial. We only think about money. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely God's provision is only financial, but there's so many other ways to think about God's provision in our life. Last week, I just put this out there on Facebook. I said, how's God provided for you? And, and I basically lumped all the answers into these, you know, these answers. People said things like this. He provided me a place to live. Great medical care when I needed it. Financial provision. Food. He provided experts on issues in my life when I needed them. He provided a caring community and support system. He's provided housing. He's provided the opening and closing of doors. Think about that. Someone's saying, thank you, Lord, for closing doors. Okay? Employment. Peace. He's provided joy. He's provided hope, wisdom, perspective, family and friends. He's provided salvation and eternal life. He's provided rest. He's provided divine timing, like things happen when they should happen. He's provided things in unexpected ways. He's provided breath to breathe. The very breath to breathe God has given us. And it's not just a financial thing. God provides in ways we we don't even think about all the time. This is what else I find interesting. You look at that moment in Genesis 22 when Abraham was ready to follow through out of trust and obedience and faith and God provided that ram. This is where I go, I go, okay, 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 okay. One of two things has to be true. A, there was no ram when Abraham got there. And God just, you know, put it there right at the last minute and then showed Abraham. Or the ram was already there. He just didn't see it. He was preoccupied, he was doing what he wanted, and he just, he just didn't see it. And at the moment when it needed it most, God revealed that it was there the whole time. Either way, God showed him what his provision was. But I think a lot of times, as we're praying and trusting God to provide for the needs in our lives, sometimes the answer's right there the whole time, you just don't even see it. Right there in front of you. I think a good way for us to pray is, Lord, open my eyes like you did for Abraham where you revealed to him the provision you had for that moment. God, would you open my eyes and let me see the provision you have in my life? Because I don't see it right now. Maybe it's right there the whole time and you just haven't seen it. I mean, you start unpacking the story and there's so many beautiful things there. God has provided means to any aspect of our life. Let's think for a second about the things God requires and asks of us and how he's provided for it. Think about this. Uh, God asks that you and I trust him. He's provided the faith to do so. God's asked us to endure. He provides the strength. God's asked us to, to give back out of that which he's allowed us to have. He provides the resources. God wants you to share the gospel. He provides the opportunities. God wants you to love and care for others. He provides the compassion and the resources on that. God wants you to obey. He provides the spirit to make us willing to obey. God wants you to have godly character. He provides the suffering to shape it. Just chew on that for a minute. God wants you to overcome temptation. He provides the way of escape. There is never a time when we are ever tempted that there's not an exit. Every time you and I are tempted to sin, there's a way out. God is faithful to provide a way out. It makes me so irritated when I'm talking to people. It's like, well, I just, you know, there's just nothing else to do. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You were driving down the road, and you went through past multiple off ramps, and you just ignored them. 
God provides a way out with temptation. God wants us to be holy and sanctified. He provides the purifying experiences. God wants us to give mercy. He he provides the occasions to be offended by others so we can practice it. God wants us to be patient. He provides situations to test our patience. God wants us to have endurance. He provides the discomfort to get it. When's the last time I went, Lord, thank you for this test because it's building endurance in me. (laughs) Thank you for this. You know what's also beautiful in this passage? You look at it. God wants to spend eternity with you. Because when your body stops working, your soul is either going to go to heaven or hell. No other options. Forever. No second chances, no negotiation, no do-overs, no recycling the spirit. You're going one or two destinations, that's it. And God says, I want you to be with me forever in eternity. And he's provided the Savior to make it possible. When you look at this passage, I want you to keep in mind something. This is Genesis. This is the book of Genesis. It's the first book, Genesis chapter 22. Look at this moment. You start to look and unpack this. God provided a ram as a sacrifice for what Abraham needed. You and I are rebels. The way we think, we act, we live, we are defiant creatures. We have the audacity to say that we're good people. And yet if God were to judge us on the thought life that we have in an hour, we'd be guilty like that. We are deserving of God's wrath, a wrath that God says sin is deserving of death. You and I deserve death. We deserve wrath. And God says, death is the punishment for that. And then he provided the substitute to take that penalty. He provided the lamb. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. What did he ask of Abraham? His son? God asked of Abraham in Genesis what he was going to give us in the Gospels. A substitute. Jesus went to the cross to die for your sins, my sins. He was a picture of this right here. He was the substitute for our sins. He provided the sacrifice. Just like he provided the ram for Abraham, he provided Christ for us. John 1.29 says that uh, Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Ready for this? Check this out. When you look at verse 14 in Genesis 22, it says, Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it says to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. You ready for this? Genesis chapter 22, as Abraham's walking up the hill, and Isaac asks him, where's the sacrifice? Abraham says in Genesis, the Lord will provide a lamb for himself. And then you go all the way to the Gospels. And what did Jesus do? What did God do? He provided a lamb. That's crazy. Abraham went to Mount Moriah. He went to Mount Moriah. Later on, the Jews built the temple on Mount Moriah to worship God and sacrificed animal after animal after animal to appease the Lord on Mount Moriah, which currently, right now, if you go there, there's the Dome of the Rock there, you know, the Islamic temple. But on that mount, you have this whole mountainous range right there. A quarter mile from that moment where the thing is, Jesus died on that mountain with invisibility of this very spot. You think that's coincidence? Back in Genesis, God, who knew in advance what needed to be provided, provided, boom. The Bible's fascinating. 
It's supernatural. And it speaks truth. And the truth it speaks is this. You and I are sinners. We're separated from a holy God. We're deserving of death and wrath. And he provided a substitute in the name of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. And Abraham and Isaac is just a glimpse of what he did for you and I. Why? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides. Not just money, not just stuff, but your Savior, your salvation, your peace, your hope, your joy, everything. God is faithful to provide. Here's my challenge to you. Here's my take home, if you will. If you can leave here, here's my challenge to you. Focus on, live for the provider, not the provision. You and I get so wrapped up in the stuff. And we live for the provision. The reason so many of us work is because we want stuff. Instead of just being about the one who provides everything. Would you just join me in prayer in your spirit and just say, Lord, let me be about you more than the stuff you give me. God, would you let me be about the giver of the gifts rather than the gifts? Would you let me live for the provider, not for the provision? And if you're sitting here today and you're a follower of Christ, and you're a believer in the Lord, all this stuff is just enriching your faith. But if you're here today, and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior, today God's knocking on your door saying, look, I've provided for your soul that you don't have to spend eternity apart from me. I'm delivering you the mail this morning. Are you going to open it? My challenge to you is don't you dare leave here without entering into that relationship with Jesus. Because it's the provision of all provisions. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord who provides. And God, you're faithful. God, forgive us for doubting. Forgive forgive us for being dissatisfied. That we're more about the stuff and we're more about chasing after the things of this world and we raise our fists and shake it at you and we don't get what we want. We think just because we can attach the word need to it that we're the one qualified to even identify what we need. We're the one that will determine what you're supposed to provide for us. No, God, we surrender today. And we acknowledge that you're the one that sees in advance the provision of what we need. Every breath, every drop of water, every morsel of food, every stitch of clothing, every relationship, God, right now, some of us are clutching things in our life. We're clutching relationships. We're holding on to pursuits and plans and jobs and careers and just lifestyles and just things that we're not willing to give up. And Lord, help us to release them. Help us to be like Abraham, that of faith and obedience and trust. We just release going, God, I don't know what's going to look like on the other side, but I know you're faithful and I know you'll provide. And Lord, there's anyone here today that's never been in a relationship with you. And that's, if that's you today, I just invite you to pray this prayer. Just say, God, I understand that you've provided for me. Not just everything I have, but everything I would need. And I need a Savior. I need one who's going to rescue me from my sin. I need a substitute for the wrath that you're going to pour out one day. So right now, I believe I trust in Jesus and his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave to give me eternal life. 
Help me to follow you. God, may that be all of our prayer. Help us to follow you faithfully. Even these gifts that we're about to receive, Lord, help us be a way that we follow you. Giving back to you a percentage of that which you've allowed us to have. Demonstrating our trust in you, our faith in you. Lord, uh, investment in other people needing to know about Jesus, the provision of all provisions. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. Hey, before you leave today, a couple options. On your response card, there's an area that you can interact with us and let us know what God's spoken to you. You can share that with us. Also, we've got a prayer cove in the corner. If you're here today and you have a deep need in your life and you need God to provide in a special way, we've got some friends back there. We'll just pray for you, pray with you. If you've, if you've made that decision to follow Christ today, please mark that down. We'll follow up with you to let you know how we can help you grow in your new faith. Or maybe you can stop by the prayer cove or the information center on your way out and just say, hey, I gave my life to Christ today. What, what's next? How do I grow? We'd love to tell you. And God bless you guys. May you live for the provider, not the provision.